You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Arlington Remastered. Chapter 22 The Battle. From the Journal of Major Frank Butler, Washington, District of Columbia, March 7th, 1883. Steamheart thundered down the pathway on the eastern shore of Arlington County, the Potomac River rushing along beside us. Thomas had fallen silent and was deep in thought. Lee was checking her weapons, a surprising amount of which were secreted around her person. Every few moments, Sarah chimed in over the radio with more updates of what was happening within the city. I moved up to sit beside Harry. You having fun being out? No. I'm... I'm scared. You're doing great. Just keep her going. We emerged onto the main road to behold a long procession of troops. Harry pulled a lever and we skidded to a stop, turning as we did so. The soldiers were ordered to halt and most of them stared in wonder at the machine as we rolled past the line to where Curtis sat, mounted on his enormous white horse. Thomas popped the hatch. You come to lend us some backup? Close, General. We need to get you to 1600, fast. Get a support team running with us. Why do you need me? We need a publicly known and respected figurehead, and I'm afraid I don't cut it. I can't order you to come, but I have a plan, and I can request that you temporarily hand over control of the army to your second. Please, General, if we do this right, we might be able to minimize the bloodshed in there. General Hummel, you heard the man, and I trust him well enough. Looks like you're in charge. The General of the Armies dismounted and made his way up the steps and into Steamheart. We proceeded down the now-moving lines again, flanked by thirty soldiers keeping pace with us. Harry drove slower now that we had an escort, and as we reached the Lincoln Bridge, a group of cartographer scouts and soldiers all dressed in dark brown coats but divested of their white scarves and instead sporting black equivalents, stood to attention. This would be silent company. We stopped once more and ten of them boarded Steamheart for a briefing as the others joined our accompaniment. Thomas explained his plan to the group and Curtis as we crossed the river, leaving the marching army behind us. We had two miles to go to get to the White House, but this wasn't about powering their flat out. There was more than one thing that could be accomplished here. We needed the will of the people. Passing through the scenes of destruction, Thomas stared out of the shutter windows, his brow deeply furrowed. We could see black youths locked in ferocious combat with police, black families shouting from windows. Three fathers with arms folded guarding a front door, a couple warding off looters with a shotgun, an elderly lady pacing back and forth and roaring at everybody to just stop and go home. You know, were my circumstances different, I might be any one of these people. Except for those police. Fuck them! As we drove up 23rd Street, Thomas handed General Curtis a device attached by a wire to the communications array, and as he spoke, his voice boomed out from the vehicle, echoing across the buildings. Those still on the streets stopped to look at us and cocked an ear to what was being said. 
The surroundings were a miserable sight, with windows smashed, trash cans knocked over, carriages overturned, bloodied handprints, and brightly colored cloth awnings torn down to the cracked pavement. People of Washington, this is General Curtis. Listen up and follow along with us. I don't know how many of you know your Declaration of Independence, but I do. And I understand that part about the right of the people to alter or abolish a government that becomes destructive to certain principles. At the mention of the Declaration of Independence, I saw Thomas's eyes widen. He motioned violently at Curtis, who frowned and waved him away. Right now, this very moment, our White House is in danger from groups who don't seek to reinforce those rights for the people. They don't want democracy. They just want to tear everything down. They gain great satisfaction when we fight amongst ourselves. And their grip on power tightens. Those of you expressing your outrage today have every right to expect a system that treats you fairly. And that's not what we have. That needs to change. What we're defending is not one building, not one man, but a movement and an entire way of life. Now I'm as scared shitless as the rest of y'all, but I'm doing what feels right. Those out there who are guarding your homes and businesses can continue to do so. The ones who want to fight for a better future than the present we have right now, follow us. He left off and placed the speaking device back on the console before turning to the rest of the group. Thomas's demeanor had changed somewhat. He nodded with grim approval. Well done, General. That was a lot more than I gave you. But I think it may have done the trick. We had all observed the citizens emerging from their houses. Some held rifles or pistols, some carving knives or hatchets, and others just sticks. Slowly, gathering in numbers throughout the duration of the speech, the people of Washington had approached our escort and walked alongside, until we had more than 200 following us down Pennsylvania Avenue. As we approached the White House, the enormity of the crowd we would be facing became clear. The gates had been battered open and the South Lawn was a battleground. I spotted a mixture of gang colors in there, along with plenty that bore no allegiance. And as they turned to acknowledge Steamheart, the jeering and obscenity began. Bottles and bricks collided with our exterior. I glanced at Harry. She had gone pale, and her fingers twitched uncertainly over the steering wheel. We need to proceed to the entrance. Drive over them if you have to. It is their choice to stand in the way. I don't want to do that. Besides, if they swarm us, they could break through. She's strong, but she's not invincible. Scare them. They will break. The military and the assembled counter-mob behind us rushed past to join the fray. Harry grimaced and gunned the engine before rushing forward and veering away down the street, scanning the buildings. That one looks secure. Can, 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 Can you get up on the roof of the big one? What's she asking? She wants to know if we can get up on top of the Department of the Treasury. Can you? Yes, we can. But I need you to drive the- No, not me. You. I'm not leaving. Yes, you are. You told us your plan, and now I'm saying it may not work. I- 
Daddy, I, I don't want you in here if we get swamped. You want to protect me so much. Well, well, I'm protecting you now. And, and get out. Harry. Now. Or, or I won't drive another yard. Thomas, she's right. We need you alive. I know what I have to say, Thomas. I've got this. Major Butler, can you stay with Harry, please? If things go badly, can you get her out of this? And for God's sakes, come and pick us up before you leave. Yes, sir. All right. I'm leaving. Lee, with me, please. Sir. And you, too. Snipers. Yes, sir! Sarah. Yes. We have this under control. I'll see you real soon. His expression told a tale of the very opposite case. <laughs> Lee popped the hatch, glancing back at me, and quickly exited with Thomas and the scouts. We watched them disappear into a side door of the treasury, and Harry shoved two levers in opposite directions, and we rotated on the street to face the way we had come. She brought us forward, roaring onto the lawn once more. The front doors to the White House were open. Men were already inside, invading. Harry proceeded there swiftly. Curtis turned to the eight members of Silent Company as their compatriots assembled outside, guarding Steamheart. You know the drill. Get in there. Clear the building. It's gonna be ten times harder with civvies all around you. Remember that some of them are just trying to help. Get them all out. Protect the President. The cartographers saluted and left through the hatch, convening with the rest of their squad and entering the house. Now it was just Harry, the General, and myself inside Steamheart whose many components hummed and shifted around us. The girl was breathing in tiny, panicked gasps as she surveyed through the front windshield the ferocity of the melee before us. Gunshots rang out, but there was no time or space to reload. Men had been kicked to the ground and stabbed, beaten with sticks and fists. The grass had become a muddy ruin. Uniforms were so stained it was nigh on impossible to tell one side from the other. Curtis stared out at the scene. His craggy old face aghast, his silver handlebar drooping. I suddenly felt Harry's trembling hands in mine. Major, are we going to be okay? She seemed small in the chair, despite her lengthy, slender frame. I rubbed at her sharply spasming fingers, lowering my head to blow on them. It would have been a dreadful impoliteness in respectable company, but the physical contact she was usually so wary of seemed at this one occasion to still her. There now, you'll be okay. I... Oh, I, uh, um... I didn't know people did this to each other. Sorry you had to see it. Well, I've seen it one too many times now. He went to the communications array and picked up the receiver once more. What's happening? We're proceeding with the plan, ma'am. Listen up! His voice rang out across the lawn. Such a strange and intense volume that men paused mid-struggle to turn and look. This is General Curtis. Let me ask. How many y'all fought in the war by show of hands? All across the field, hands were going up. Harry slowly rolled forward as Curtis moved among the assembly. This feeling a little familiar to any of you yet? 
was doing the exact same thing at Shiloh, something any of you want to revisit. And you younger ones who weren't there, surely your daddies told you the story of how bad it got. Made it clear how inglorious fighting your brothers actually is. Now I'm not gonna ask any of you why, but I'll tell you right now. The rest of the army is practically upon us, and when they march in here, not a one of you is getting out alive. Now I ain't threatening you, I'm saying that's a fact. In case you didn't know, there are Wendigos in this city and you'd best not lose sight of who the real enemy is. A Wendigo wouldn't listen to what it is I'm saying now. What I want is for this to stop. I want... I want you who have raised arms against the government to drop them right now and walk back to your homes. Defend them against the creatures. We'll clear the streets and make them safe again. Now I'm probably gonna get kicked out of the army for saying this to you. This ain't the way we're supposed to be doing things. I shouldn't be letting you go. What you've done warrants the most severe of punishments. You're behaving exactly like enemies of the state and so it stands to reason we should treat you like it. Ladies and gentlemen of the RS military, stand down. You let them walk. Go home and we'll hear no more about it. Spread the word to everybody you meet. Then when it comes time to vote, you elect the leader you want. But I swear, if any of y'all are left in the streets when my army gets here, we will strike down upon you like the hammer of God. Your names will be at best forgotten, and at worst, disgraced. Is that what you want to leave your families? No? Then get the fuck out of here. Slowly, at first, men began leaving the area. Some had started filtering out at the first moment arms were put up, but soon there was a wave of fleeing bodies, leaving behind the military, the guards, and some undecided citizens. If you joined us from the street, you should go too. Thank you for your support and service of your country. Curtis, out! As the minutes rolled by, silent company emerged from the White House. The building had been cleared, every attacker killed. Grant was safe. Harry turned Steamheart so that we could get a clear line of sight to the roof of the treasury. High up there, Thomas stood with folded arms, surveying the aftermath. Even from a distance, Harry smiled to see him theatrically clapping. Steamheart, do you have eyes on Thomas? We're going to get him now, ma'am. We've had reports coming in of something in the sky. They matched the description of that thing in Ohio. The manticore. Oh, God. We've got to get him down. Can you see it anywhere? As Steamheart turned about and roared towards the treasury, I squinted up at the afternoon sky. Black flying specks that could have been birds beset the periphery. Sunlight and moving architecture continuously flickered and blocked my view. Then I saw it, and my blood ran cold.
You have been listening to episode 22 of Arlington Remastered. The Battle. Written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. General Curtis and Thomas Arlington, performed by Alex Shaw. Major Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Sarah Arlington, performed by Maureen Foley. Agent Lee Ying Long, performed by Sharon Shaw. Snipers, performed by Ian Hopwood and Jesse Ferguson. Long Note 3, Death of Kings, and All This, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Tribal March, composed and performed by Ebony. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. And if you aren't listening to Through the Wind Door, the incredibly in-depth New Century Multiverse fancast, then you need to subscribe today and let the hosts Greg Downing and Toby Jungius take you deep into various interpretations, readings and deconstructions of each New Century book in turn. And these are released each week along with fascinating interviews with the cast and first impressions of every new book. And Nightfall of the Wendigo, the spiritual successor to Let Them Go, is now available on Amazon.com in beautiful paperback form. And if you're on our Patreon at the $10 level or higher, then access to the ebook version is part of the bonus package you receive. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Kat Esman, Kevin Vey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Wazanski, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. <laughs>